Peace, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Ron Duda Resolutionary's uh, third episode of podcast for Ron Duda Resolutionary. Uh, before we get started, I just want to let you know that we are tuning in today on June 21st, which is Father's Day. This is a special edition of Ron Duda Resolutionary podcast. Uh, and before we get started, I just want to share with you the purpose of this particular podcast and why it was created. Uh, the podcast was created to uh, have a platform that welcomes and embraces wise people from the community in which we live, uh, whether you're younger or older, uh, to have a voice. All right. So we just want people to come in and talk about some real things. OK, realistic situations that are going on around us and their viewpoints on it, and how they are handling. Now, what will make this particular podcast unique, Ron do the Resolutionary Podcast unique, will be uh, because individuals of various ages, ethnicities, and socioeconomical backgrounds will be welcome to join the podcast to discuss uh, perspectives of current events, real life, and lived life situations, or how they persevered, overcame, and still endured life change, uh, challenges. All right, my, my guests, Shell, and will attempt to enlighten our listeners by imparting their wisdom uh, in hopes to change their lives for the betterment of of the society in which we live. In short, just be prepared to learn and, and deal with the, the, the uh, process of each one teaches one. Uh, Ron Duda Resolution Podcast is a, is, a, is a safe place where we will uh, attempt to uh, decrease the beefs and increase the peace. All right. So thank you for, for that, for listening, taking a moment. And like I said, we're, we're tuning in on a special Father's Day. And I want to share that this particular uh, episode is going to be dedicated to a to a dear brother of mine who passed on. His name uh, was Dennis Graham, or his name is Dennis Graham because his spirit still lives. Um, and today, June twenty first, is not only his uh, the first day of summer, but also his birthday, which is also uh, Father's Day. So there are three things going on, and that and that's a beautiful thing. Um, you got first day of summer. Uh, his birthday and also Father's Day. So I want to put that out there. This is dedicated to Dennis Graham and his family. Peace and blessings on that. All right. So let me just jump in. You know, this is this is, is late, and and I and my my guest I have on the show is 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 a is a brother that uh, I, I love and respect dearly. Uh, I look up to that I've learned a lot from. Who has uh, uh, instilled knowledge and wisdom over the years, and has helped me to overcome some obstacles in my life, and has done that for many and countless others. Uh, so without further ado, I want to introduce my special guest, the original God Sham God. Peace and blessings, God Sham God. How you doing? Peace, brother. I'm doing fine. Good. good. Well, listen, I, I want to thank you for, for coming on the show. And um, like I said, I want to especially thank you for, for getting on the show at such short notice. I know you've been busy with your family today. I know you have a family that, that loves, respects you, and wants to acknowledge you for Father's Day. So I do appreciate you uh, coming and calling in. So with, without the, with, with anything, nothing else being said, just tell me, you know, who you are and, and, and where you're from, if you don't mind. Gosh, I'm God. Yeah, um, I'm from New York City. I've been living in New York City about, I'll say, 60 years of my life. I'm 66 years old. Um, I grew up in Harlem and we moved to Brooklyn. I became an adult. And now I'm living in East Orange, New Jersey. Oh, okay, okay. So, so with that being said, God, Sham, God, and again, you know, you're, you're 66 years old. So I'm, I'm really anticipating on, uh, you know, the, the wisdom 
that you're going to impart with us on this particular call. And again, you know, we'll be brief. We just want to touch base on Father's Day, and I appreciate you calling again. So tell me, God, Sham God, what does is, what is God, Sham God mean? And where did you get that name, God, Sham God, for our listeners? Um, in 1965, I lived in Harlem on 112th Street. And if anybody in your listening audience know, um, back during that time, black consciousness was on the rise. Right. Um, I met a young brother by the name of Born of Law Christ. May he rest in peace. And he introduced me to the 5% Nation. Okay. Um, it was February 24th. We was heading uptown to 140th Street. And as we went past, the leader of the 5%, who we call Allah, was out on the avenue and the young brother knew him because his family was in Mars number seven underneath Malcolm. Um, underneath Malcolm X. He, Malcolm X, that's Yeah, Malcolm, yes, Malcolm X. And the, the young brother um, told me that his name was Allah and that, you know, he was part, that he himself was part of the nation. I had no idea who the 5% were or what they believed in. I knew that I was struggling and was having a problem with the church because of the many things that I had witnessed at a young age. So that didn't hold my attention. And this man was speaking about black consciousness, right. our black self. And for some reason, me being as young as I was, which at that time was 12, 12 and a half years wow, old, 12. Um, it, it, you know, it fascinated me. And I think what fascinated me more than anything was the simple fact that he was talking about blackness, ourself, whereas in the church, you know, when we came up, no disrespect to religion, no disrespect to the pastors or anybody belief, but, you know, we had a, we had a white Jesus. And I had a problem with it because I couldn't identify with it. So when this man was speaking something that I never heard before, I became a, a, attracted to it. And me and the brother um, born, he started giving me little, little things regarding the teachings and I, I just fully embraced them. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, Sham God, um, as your audience might know, any member to become a member, you don't have to change your name in the beginning, but we choose to drop our honorable name and take on righteous name, right. something that we create for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, um, trying to decide a name. It was going to be either Sabu or it was going to be Sham God. I like the, I like the name Sham God because Sham God meant savior of oneself. Mm -hmm. That was the meaning of Sham God. And, you know, God, I, def I you know, drew it up as good orderly direction. So I took on the name and, and for the last 55 years, that's that's who I've been. Wow, okay, that's that's great. And thank you for sharing that with us for those who, who don't know. And I think you, you made it clear on how you uh, became a part of the 5% Nation and who founded the 5% Nation. So that's, that's something we're gonna be talking about later in, in future shows and about how the 5% Nation has made a, a impact on, on young people um, uh, today or young people yesterday as well. And I'm saying it looked like you had what we say 
uh, you got knowledge of self at 12 years of age. Um, and, and that says a lot about the wisdom that you have attained since you were 12 years old by joining the 5% Nation. All right. Well, thank you so much for that, uh, God, Sham God. So uh, going forward, um, what prompted me to really, well, I, w- I was already thinking about getting you on the show anyway. So you know that I was just waiting for the time to get it done. But um, I, I, got a, I got a link from you, which, which, I, which I appreciate you sharing with, where you and uh, um, a number of uh, fathers were recently on a Zoom call. Um, I think it was a couple of days ago with the comedian and actor Anthony Anderson. Um, and I think the, uh, the call was with you and a number of other fathers who are actually fathers of, of NBA players. Can you, can you tell me what was the purpose of that Zoom call and how it came about, if you don't mind? Well, I'm a member of the fathers and dad of professional basketball players. Um, it came in existence about 12 years ago by a gentleman named um, Mr. Carlton Jack. Mm-hmm. Um, those that's from the South that know Georgia Tech, Jaron Jack is his son who played in the NBA. Um, I met um, them about two years ago when I was out in Orlando. They was doing a workshop, a mentoring um, piece for um, young men, black and brown men in the Orlando area. Right. And it surprised me because for for years, I was wondering why the NBA braced the moms of the NBA, Mm. but I heard nothing of the such in terms of um, fathers of the NBA. And I knew that not every one of these guys had, um, you know, came up in a single, single home. So I inquired, you know, I got the information. um, I joined. Um, and I've been rolling ever since. Um, this past um, All-Star um, game in Chicago, we went out and we mentioned about 450 kids. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, since the coronavirus and everything, our president, which is Mr. Charles Paul, Chris Paul, the father, he made sure that we stay fresh with one another by every week we would do a call just to check on one another to keep us in sound mind and everything. So last week he told us that we would have a Zoom call. We had no idea what it was. We thought it was something that we was going to regularly do. And when we all chimed in on Thursday, lo and behold, here's Anthony Anderson and Isaiah Thomas from the Detroit Pistons. Okay. We was, we was on a call, and the call was for us to discuss about fatherhood and Father's Day and what it meant to okay. us. Okay, so, so you're saying, uh, Sham God, that you guys, that the fathers didn't know that Anthony Anderson was going to be hosting this particular call? Is that what I hear? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is correct. By no means we knew that, you know, that any celebrity was going to be on. We thought that it was, you know, our usual Thursday call because the reason that we do Zoom call is that regular conference calls you can't see the person unless you use an iPhone or something like that. But when we do a Zoom call, we we lay eyes on each other and this way we could tell if we are in good health or not because we totally been isolated all these months. Exactly, understand. And yeah, so you know, like I say, when we got on the call, 
we was told that it was going to be something special and this was, was going to go down a call regarding fathers. All right, good, good. And with that being said, gosh, I'm God, you know, I appreciate you sharing that, uh, that information as to why you were on his own call with Anthony Anderson and Isaiah Thomas. So let me just, let me just share with my audience. I'm not a sports person or I'm not what is considered a jock. I'm not a person that follows sports. Uh, I've worked with a couple of uh, uh, professional athletes in my time and, and consulting for them in their nonprofit organizations and programs. So, so tell me how you became a part of it. I mean, you are a father of a professional athlete. Is, is, am I, am I correct? I'm correct on that. We are, I know, but for our listening audience, how, who, who are you the father of? What is, what is your son? Um, my, my son is the assistant coach and development coach of of the Dallas Mavericks. Mm. His name is God Shamgar. Okay. Okay. Great. And what is what is the history of, of God Shamgar? I mean, was he is he currently did he play uh for the NBA at one point in time? Is that where you you came into play with this particular uh organization? No, this no, I just been with the organization less than a month. Oh, okay. Um my son came out of college in nineteen ninety seven. Right. And got drafted as the 46th pick of the um, Washington Wizards, right. Right. and he played. He played actually in 20 games in his NBA career, right. and from that, the rest of the time that he played professionally, he played for various countries overseas: Saudi Arabia, Poland, China, um, and he played for about 15 years. Right. And, and you know what? With that being said. Gosh, I'm God, because I'm, I'm a little bit familiar with that history. And again, just by knowing you and, and knowing your son and coming in contact with your son when he was um, uh, trying out for the uh, uh, Charlotte Bobcats at one time. And um, he was here in Charlotte. And by the way, I'm stationed here in Charlotte, North Carolina for my listening audience. He came to Charlotte and I, and I had the, the, the opportunity to spend some time with him um, while he was uh, uh, trying out for the Bobcats, which didn't work out, but it was just a, a blessing to be able to be with him for a certain amount of time and kind of show him around and spend some time at my home and took him to DMV when he was trying to get situated here. So he's, he's, he was always came off as a, as a very cool, calm, laid back young man. Um, so that was, that was how I connected with him on that note. So I was definitely, uh, I felt good about being able to help him out in any way I possibly can. But what was interesting that you said that he played for the uh, Washington Wizards for only 20 games, but he went on to play overseas for 15 years. Now, that is consistency on his part. He kept his 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 uh his name alive through sports and so forth and through the NBA. But I'm a, I'm a, can you what I what I want, I want you to share or share. Let me just share with my audience what's powerful about your son is, is here, although he's not actually a NBA player and although he hasn't had a long career within the NBA your son was just given the great honor of having a sneaker named by him okay or should I say in his name when endorsed by him or should I say how can Puma endorse your son and he's not even quote unquote an NBA player can you give us a little bit of information about that? Because I thought that was very, very powerful. And you gotta and you gotta feel proud about that. Can you give us some share some information? Yeah. That? Well, this isn't the first time that he've had a shoe, you know, um, with his name. When he was with Converse a few years back, 
they they put out a sneaker, but it was more on the personal tip, and it never got off the shelf. Um, he signed with Puma, I want to say two or three years now, and he is one of the ambassadors for the Puma brand. Mm. And um, he wanted, you know, he wanted to design his own shoe. He wanted a shoe for himself. And Puma made made it um, happen for him. This past Monday, I think was the 15th, um, Puma launched his own sneaker uh, on their on their website. And sales has been tremendous for the, the first five days that the sneaker has been up on, on online. Okay, so so listen, God Sham, hold that thought. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to say this here for my audience. Number one, like I said, this just happened a week ago and guess what we got the father of the god sham god here on the show and talking about his son's success with puma now now why did puma you know what what is sham god famous for outside of why him why your son give give us a little idea why him what what is what is he famous for well he 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 has a he has a crossover that's that's named after him in the NCAA tournament um, he did a move against Arizona, which really he he told me that it was by mistake, but <laughs> it worked out in his behalf that he created a crossover crossover move that a lot of today's NBA players um, use. Um, he didn't never come up with the name the Sham God, you know. Um, the guys that was doing it or guys that was um, playing ball. They they gave it, a, it the name, and it and it grew on it grew on its own. Wow, wow, that's that's yeah. that's powerful. And and it, and just says, is is it true that because uh, my nephews they they love they love God the God Sham God they, you know they doing shorts doing the crossover and so forth and videos. My brothers who are basketball players in Brooklyn, New York they 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 know about God Sham God. They grew up in this era. Uh, so with, with, with that also. Um, I want to share with you is that forget my chain of thought, but him having this particular sneaker is definitely an honor. Um, what what is the what is the the, the feedback and what is the uh, response? Oh, by the way, I know that he, from what I understood, he uh, trained or should I say showed the late Kobe Bryant about the crossover. Is that is that correct? Is something in, in that area that that's true about him? Uh, even working with Kobe Bryant and showing him that particular crossover at some point in time. Well, the story. Well, the story I got is that they was in AAU together, right. and um, Kobe's father was at the camp, and you know he asked him if he would help Kobe w- with his dribbling. All the other aspects of his game was superb, and and didn't need you know nothing done to it, even though he, Kobe was young. But he asked Sham to um, help him with his dribbling. And, you know, Sham, Sham is, is very humble and everything. And it didn't mean anything to him because they both wasn't famous at that right. time. So while they was in the ABCD camp, you know, on the Nike circuit, um, Sham worked with Kobe on his move. And, you know, until Kobe's death, may he rest in peace, right. he always let people know, that Sham was the one that showed him how to dribble. Yes, right, and that, and that's a beautiful thing, and that's and that's a testament, and says a lot about who your son 
God, Sham God is. And, and, and pardon me, my audience, that wasn't a part of the, the, the discussion. Again, I've kind of lost chain of thought talking about Kobe Bryant, but we, we got back on point, but I appreciate you sharing that with us. But uh, God, Sham God, listen, I really appreciate you sharing that information with us, but we're going to move forward uh, to some other things right quick. And, um, and, and congratulations to, to your son, God, Sham God. And I definitely plan to get my pair of, and I'm not a baller, but I'm planning to get my pair because I'm definitely going to have a pair uh, signed by him. I know I will get that signed by him, and I plan to hold on to that pair for dear life as long as I live. That's that's what I plan to do. So uh, big ups to, to, to God, Sham God, and, and, and the Dallas Mavericks. So let's let's move forward to, to what's going on today. Um, so so uh, God, Sham God, what are your thoughts about uh, what's been happening around the murder and public lynching of George Floyd. What, what are your feelings about that? I mean, give, give us a, a general idea how you feel about that and how you've been handling that this situation thus far. Well, well, one, I thought that it was dev- devastating with what happened to another black man at the hands of the, of the police. Um, one, I'll say one of my favorite hobbies is history. I love reading. I love reading about history. I love reading about black history. And what I what I got f- from it is that, you know, we might be living in different days and time, but we go through the same abuse. We go through the same racist attitude that we have been dealing in white America all our life. Um, what I was overjoyed with was when I seen young people marching out in the street, you know, letting the world know y'all need to hear our voices. Y'all need to hear us. Besides it being a cry, there was an old parable and an old saying that my mother, and I think maybe a lot of your instant audience heard before is, Children need to stay in children places. Well, children don't always be children. They turn into adults and they create and they have a mind of their own. So for the last week or so, 10 days, 15 days, whatever we in, I've been watching them be out there vigorously. Letting white America know that they are tired of it and they're not taking it no more. And it's not just blacks. It's for anybody that feel that they understand the cause of what's going on, have taken to the streets and have been a voice for change. And that's what I'm, I'm loving. And I feel that the only way that change is going to come about now is through these young people. Right. You know, I said that I was 66, but I'm not in the grave, nor am I cremated. I'm still on this earth. But I truly know that it is these young people time to lift their voice with what they want and to be heard. And to what we can do in helping them is just give them some advice. We don't need to tell them how to do this march because they have a mind of their own. That's right. And and in the cities, now that the looting, that aspect of it is out of the picture, they are handling themselves very intelligently and very professionally, and they showing the world 
that they're not going to go away. Right. And I truly appreciate that. Right. And with that being said, when you talk about the looting, we, we know the looting has will take place, has been taking place since the killing of of, 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 of Martin Luther King, you know, back in, I think it was, if I'm correct, uh, 68 and so forth. So that's already always been these riots and so forth out of rebellion and, and frustration and pain. So we get that part. And I'm glad you said that what we can do as, as the older generations to give them guidance. Now, is it fair to say that, uh, have you ever heard young people talking about how they feel both black and white, by the way, you know, feel that, uh, the older generation has somewhat let them down. Have you ever heard any, any talk and information about that? I mean, there's certain, there's certain leaders that, you know, that are known to the people and they express their dissatisfaction amongst them. But no, I think that it, it's not about them no more. One, one thing that I love, I grew up before the hip hop era, but I watched the hip hop era come into play and the fascinating thing that i've got and this is just my opinion that i've gotten from the hip-hop culture is that it deals with black and white people young people right. giving their ideas and giving their knowledge to each other so that when something happens and they have to get out in the street is i support you and you support me and that's why when I look at the TV screen and, and see them out there marching, and like I say, the whites are saying to be silenced is to be ignorant. Mm -hmm. Y'all see what's going on and y'all say absolutely nothing. And you know, everybody wanna cry, um, all lives matter. Yes, they do. But it's the black lives that's constantly getting killed. That's right. And if we don't speak up for ourselves, who gonna who gonna speak up for us? So I say all praise due to the young people. I hope that they continue to to mobilize and keep the pressure and keep the energy going. What I want to see on the eleven o'clock news on November the third, I want to see us dancing in the street because we got that crazy nut out the White House. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. Indeed. Yes. Indeed. And, and with, with that being said, God, Sham God, what are, what are you doing personally? Because uh, I know you are out in the community as well. I know you you uh, you have extended some um, some of your help and energy and guidance to other organizations, you know, around you and out of state. So, what are you doing personally to to contribute to the to the guidance of of uh, these young people or the, the generation? Uh, one uh, one mentoring. I've been. My first job was with an organization out of New York called Youth in Action. It was a counseling job of older teenagers watching over young adolescents for the summer. It was a summer job. And from that, I just grew a patch, passion in dealing with young people. So what I do on a daily basis, I mentor young men black and brown. Uh, my brother and myself in the Bronx, we have an organization that's called Steel on Steel. It's a man's group. And, you know, we deal with brothers in trying to give them a voice because men don't like to talk a lot of mm -hmm. time. 
So we hold these workshops, we hold these talks that once we start engaging in intelligent conversations or conversations, you know, when you hear my story, my story may be similar to yours. True. So now I don't gave you the courage to tell your story or at least get started that you're not ashamed no more of your story. And you will find that when you have groups and you share knowledge with one another, that what we do is unlock what's inside of all of us. And we bond, we bond. For right. That's, that's the main thing that we do. So, you know, on a daily basis in New York and New Jersey, I mentor and, and I deal with young kids. And it's for and the reason that I want to deal with young kids is because I know that they are the next generation. Today they they looking at us and tomorrow we looking at them. Right. Understood. And I, yeah, and I just set them on the path of expressing themselves. You know. Okay, great, great. Thank you for sharing that. And um, I'm, I'm I know we're about to close out. I don't want to hold you up too, too much longer. But let me let me ask you another question. And thank you for your your response to the to the George Floyd murder slash uh, public lynching. Uh, so th- I'm gonna revert back to you growing up in a nation of five percent, a nation of gods and earth, and you you got knowledge yourself. So I'm gonna speak on that. No, you got knowledge yourself at about twelve years old, right? Twelve years so old. With all that's going on, and what all has been going on with black people, is it fair to say that by you having knowledge yourself that is not surprising to you on what has been going on or, or the masses has really not necessarily been asleep, but having, by not having knowledge itself, the masses, it, it, this is something that could have been uh, uh, dealt with many years ago. So how you having knowledge itself has been somewhat of a, uh, of an advantage of how you view and react or respond to, to what's going on today. What, what, what did you, what was instilled in you coming up in the nation and, the gods and earth well well again i go back to my roots of in harlem in the 60s you know black people were gaining consciousness we had the black panthers we had the young lords we had the nation of islam we had the sunni islam you had the nationalists you know you had different organizations that you would wake up, you'd had to find your place where you felt you wanted to be. But there was so much information in the 60s in waking up black and brown people that you couldn't you couldn't go wrong. Right. I I wound up and I'll I'll say this, if I wasn't with the five percent nation, I think I probably would have been a, a Black Panther or nationalist. But why I stuck with the five percent nation was because it gave it gave us it gave us freedom. Right. You know, um, we had a we had a brotherhood. When I got with the nation, brothers in the nation, we walked, talked, we slept, we studied together, we did martial arts together. Everything we did was to form and have a brotherhood that we looked out for one another. True. And and that was and that was the bond. Today, I find that when people 
um, come together, they they really don't come together for the right reasons. Either it's because of somebody put them down and they get down for various reasons rather than the cause. In the 60s, we got the, the and when I say the knowledge yourself, being a 5%, what it offers you, it offers you a time to reflect on who you are and finding an identity who you were. Like I say, we had the Muslims under the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Malcolm was his spokesman. You know, I used to go out on 125th to, to hear Malcolm. We had Daddy Grace. I used to hear Daddy Grace. There was various speakers that you always had access to. And the, the main thing that you wanted to do, you wanted to be a part of something. To be honest with you, uh, I wasn't no uh, adult, and I wouldn't tell your listening audience that, you know, that when I got down at 12 years old, I knew what I was getting into. I really didn't. But being committed to it and staying focused and learning each and every day what my purpose was, I knew that I was learning about myself, which I was a young black man, and then I turned into an adult, and I was a black man. And through books like from J.A. Rogers, Dr. John Henry Clark, from um, Maria um, Baraka, and I can go on with a list and list of names of black writers that was filling, filling my mind giving me an identity of who I was. And that was the best thing that that I wasn't getting in school. We just was getting American history. We never heard nothing about black history. Right. And, and even that, oh gosh, I, God, I want to add on to when you spoke about other organizations and, and it's an organization that I've been speaking about to different people as of late that they don't talk about. And there's a reason why they don't talk about it. And that was the BLA, the Black Liberation Army. You don't hear much about the BLA, yes. and is and, and I would like to share for our audience, and you can bear witness, uh, you know, to me, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the BLA they call similar. They said it was a splinter group of the Black Panther, but in actuality, the BLA was was a was a group of brothers and sisters who went after the bad cops. You know, they went after the yeah. bad cops, so they don't. They in history they try to suppress that information. I'm just giving you a synopsis in short. Uh, that they will go and get the bad cops. They will eliminate bad cops who was who was uh, terrorizing our neighborhoods in some form or fashion, whether whether it was drugs and so forth and so on. So I just wanted to add it on and give BLA a shout out because BLM, Black Lives Matter, is considered a, a, a they looking at them as a, a, a black radical group, and I'm sure mm-hmm. there's some there are some remnants of the BLA, but. If you know what I know, God, sham God, the BLA, they were literally straight up radical. They went at they they got at you. You know, with the yes, they, yes, they did. Yeah, so, yes, wanted, yes, they did. So, for our listening you know, audience, look up BLA Black Liberation Army. If you haven't heard of them, you need to know who they are because they're trying to suppress that history because they don't want that history to repeat itself. Uh, and you mm. know, you know, I don't foresee that because one thing about our organizations, or should I say, organizations that uh, that I was aware of that I learned about. Uh, they didn't use social media. They had meetings behind closed doors. You didn't know when they were having meetings and said, in case somebody just infiltrated the organization. But but you said something earlier, and I want to touch base on that. 
you said something about mm-hmm. a cause. And I'm going to tell you, my uncle, Timothy Adams, who was one of the founders of the Black Liberation Army, he's already has always told me, whatever you do, you do things for the cause, not because. So, uh, and that's how I grew up. Also, when you talk about uh, uh, brothers coming together to, to, for a common cause, we know, and me growing up in a nation of 5%, uh, at 12 years old, getting knowledge itself, I learned what social, social equality was. We had a question, what is social equality? Social, equality, social means to advocate society and men or group of men for one common cause. And I think that is one of those strong things, where, one of those key things we're missing with coming together to be on the same page for a common cause. I just want to interject that uh, in the closing of the show. Any comment on that, God, Sham, God? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. Um, I deal with people in society each and every day. Not all of them are 5%. I deal with all human families of the mm-hmm. planet Earth. And when I do things with folks, the first thing I want to know is what's the cause? Mm. It can be a Christian. It can be whoever. It doesn't matter. And if I make a commitment to the cause, then that's what I'm there for. Mm. I don't bring personal stuff in things that I deal with because you have a right to your own belief. You have a right to do whatever you want to do. But if we saying that we are going to help young people, then that's the cause. And I expect that when we come together, that's what our ideas and our principles are going to be on the cause, not your cause, not my cause, but the cause that we are united for. So I agree with you. Indeed. Thank you so much. God, Sham God. So with that being said, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to close out the show in just a moment, but even when you, you responded to my request to come on this show, the third uh, episode of Ron Do the Resolutionary. You did it because you know it was for a cause. It wasn't because, and, and I and I appreciate that. So, and, and, and we have two more minutes uh, closing out in two minutes. Just want to share with you again. Thank you so much for for coming on the show. And and and, and this this show to me is gonna was is going to be the start of well, one of the best shows. Because we know we grew up, you know, knowing and understanding that understanding is the best part, right? We know, you know, three represents understanding. So I wanted this show to be very special. So I really appreciate you coming on, and um, and I plan to have future shows with people like you on the show. Or would you be willing to, to join in on some some other shows in the future with any other guests that I may have on the show? We can kind of dialogue together. Are you willing to come back to the show, gosh? Yeah, as long listen, as long as I'm not not busy because I do have other things that I'll be doing. And, you know, like I say, my responsibility, I take them serious. But if I'm free, I don't mind coming to your listening audience. I I just ask you to do one thing for me that every time that you do a show, that you close your show to tell people how important that November yes, 3rd that, is. Thank you. Yes, I will. Thank you. Because we need we need everyone to get out and, and vote. Else we're going to go through another four years. And I don't have to convince you who to vote for. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. You know for. what? But if you watch the news or if you watch any anything on program, y'all see what's happening before Indeed. you I'm eyes. glad you said that. Yes, I will definitely let our audience know to vote 
And we're not going to tell you who to vote for because we're not a, 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 a political podcast. But, but again, when you say we got another four more years, let's be realistic about that. It's not just another four more years. We're probably looking at another 40 years of his policies that will be put in place that will affect mm-hmm. it. So keep that in mind. With that being said, God, Sham, God, I'm going to let you go. I really appreciate you calling in. Uh, I appreciate you being a mentor in, 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 in and in a guiding light for myself as well. Uh, and uh, that's with that being said, we're going to close out. Thank you so much for calling in. And thank you, my listeners, for listening to Ron Do the Resolutionary Podcast. Uh, to you and your family, God, Sham, God, peace and blessings. And again, congratulations to the young God, God, Sham, God. And peace to, your, to you and your audience. Thank you. Thank peace you. and blessings. Have a good night.